Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans. Welcome to episode 181 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. Uh, good show for everybody today. Looking forward to jumping into it. Got a good interview coming up. But before we get to that, we'll go ahead and start the show the same way we do every week. That's by jumping into the breakdown. The breakdown is presented by First Bank. First Bank is the official banking partner of Infinity Park. They believe in banking for good, doing their best to do right by their customers, communities, and employees. Banking for good, member FDIC. Uh, of course, we're going to start talking about the American Raptors, and we'll pick up uh, on how the match went last week. So uh, Raptors wrapped up their home portion of their 2023 Super Rugby America season on Sunday, the heartbreaking 44-37 loss to Jacare. Uh, it was a tough one to swallow because the Raptors jumped out to a dream start in large part of because of the play of Ramiro Moyano, uh, which really came at the perfect time because if you listen to last week's show, you heard how much Daytuan, you know, liked watching him play and he talked about how easy how easy uh he made it look and um we got to see that on on full display so it was pretty cool um like i said jumped out to a 19 to 3 lead before the 15 minute mark on tries from sean clark watson fleeky tonga um there's those were both assisted by ramiro and then ramiro took one in himself on a pass from ryan james so really about the best start you could ask for um, had the, were in full control of the match, but uh, just like the week before, things kind of unravel as the as the first half goes along, and then the second half starts. Uh, so it's been a trend these last two weeks. Well, the Raptors will allow a try right before halftime. Um, the other team then turns that try into more points on the other side of the half, kind of riding that momentum. And it takes them a good you know 15, 20 minutes to wake up before they finally do. Um, and kind of steady the ship, but it's too little too late at that point. They almost got away with it this week. Uh, Ryan James scored a try later in the second half that got him to within three, and then they turned a, they turned a penalty into a penalty goal, nodded things up at 37, but Hikari went right down the field right at the end of the game, uh, kicked to touch, threw, you know, line out to a mall, rolled right in. That's what they'd been doing all day. So once they kind of got it down in that in that area and there was a penalty, you kind of wondered if that was going to happen again. And it did, and that's how they won the game. So uh, tough way to lose, especially after such a good start, but that's how it goes. And, you know, they're still figuring out how to how to close the door, um, seal the deal, and that's just going to take time. You're going to have to take a couple losses on the chin like this before you figure it out. And 
Um, that's unfortunately the case here. So uh, we'll talk more about kind of the, the breakdown of the homestand here coming up soon. Um, but they'll, they'll close the season with two matches in South America against Dogos and covers Brazil. They're out of bye this week, so that's how the week's kind of scheduled. It is any team that travels up here is on a bye. Uh, when when the Raptors come go back down to South America, they're on a bye also. So, um, like I said, close out with two matches: one against Dogos on May 21st, and then uh, Cobras Brazil on the 27th. Do the time of the Dogos match has changed. Uh, I think it went back two hours, so it is now scheduled for 4 p.m. Mountain Time. And remember to join us for a watch party at Maria Empanada on Broadway. Um, that's where we'll all be. And, you know, I had lunch there yesterday. It was delicious, so make sure you come on down, uh, eat some good food, watch the rugby, um, and hopefully it's a fun environment. It's an Argentinian restaurant. They're playing a team from Argentina, so we're looking to capitalize on that. should be a good time. Um, but yeah, and there's another little piece of Raptors news that I will talk about in required reading, so stick around for that. Uh, but before we get to that, we got to get through all the rugby you can watch this weekend, and all the rugby you can watch this weekend is brought to you by Wintergreen. Wintergreen loves rugby, wants to support USA Rugby's mission of uniting an inclusive, passionate rugby community to grow the sport of rugby in America. Wintergreen gels, cream sprays, and soaks are made with wintergreen oil and other therapeutic natural oils that help soothe and support sore muscles and joints to keep you at your best. Visit wintergreensport.com to purchase the products you need to help you prepare to win. Uh, obviously, no Raptors match this weekend, so you got to buy. You can watch all this other rugby, starting with Major League Rugby. We've got Rugby ATL at the Toronto Arrows Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, Utah Warriors at Dallas Jackals on Saturday at 4 p.m. San Diego Legion at Nola Gold Saturday at 6 p.m. Seattle Seawolves at Houston Sabercats Saturday at 6 p.m. Uh, New England Free Jacks at Old Glory DC on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. And then the New York Iron Workers versus Chicago Hounds on Sunday at noon. Uh, all those matches this weekend are on the Rugby Network, so that's where you'll keep it locked. Uh, we got the Toulouse 7s, USA men in action against Fiji on Friday at 6.57 a.m. France uh, against France on Friday at 12.35 p.m. And then South Africa on Saturday at 5.49 a.m. The USA women are in action against Canada on Friday at 2.44 a.m. New Zealand on Friday at 8.36 a.m. And then Poland Saturday at 1.49 a.m. So uh, make sure you tune into some 7s, get the URC semifinals. Uh, we get Super Rugby all weekend on Flow Rugby, Premiership semifinals on Peacock, Allianz Premier 15s on Premier15s.com. There's plenty of other rugby too, uh, so make sure you tune in and check that out. It's going to be a rainy rainy weekend around Denver, so if you're local, that's what you should be doing, watching TV. Uh, let's move, jump into the interview portion of the show. This interview with Rich Cortez is brought to you by O'Neill's. O'Neill's is the official sportswear supplier to the biggest teams in World Rugby, Infinity Park, and the American Raptors. Shop apparel now at O'Neill's.com. It's O-N-E-I-L-L-S.com. So, got to know Rich Cortez a little bit over the course of the Super Rugby America season as he served as the match day commissioner for the league for every American Raptors home match. And, uh, you know, after talking to him, he kind of realized that this is somebody you need to interview. Um, but aside from that, responsibility has been very involved in collegiate rugby over the course of his life, several, diff several different capacities, served as coach at Wyoming, um, you know, played at Stanford, um, and now he is the chairman of American Collegiate Rugby and the chairman of the Rocky Mountain Rugby Union as well. So super involved in, in collegiate rugby, rugby at all levels. Um, and then on the Super Rugby Americas level as the match day commissioner, he's talked a lot about what that is, what that role consists of, 
Um, on top of that, he has also served as the associate athletic director at Northwestern. She's had quite the life. Uh, so I'm excited for everybody to listen to this conversation with Rich Cortez. All right, please be joined on the show by a special guest. We have Rich Cortez, former coach, referee, uh, chairman of American College Rugby, and chairman of Rocky Mountain uh, Rugby Union. Uh, Rich, how's it going, man? Very well, thank you, even yeah. though it's cloudy outside. <laughs> I know, we get some weird weather these next couple of yeah. days. Uh, well, I'm happy to have you on, Rich. You're, you're an interesting fellow. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over the last few weeks. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of introducing you to, to the broader audience. And Rich, the first question we ask everybody that comes on the show, just can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Well, oh yeah, interesting history. I grew up in Wyoming. I went to school in the Bay Area in California. Uh, graduated law school and business school uh, from uh, Stanford. Uh, worked in the Bay Area for a couple of years, and then I got a job offer to be associate athletic director at Northwestern University. Uh, when they were trying to resurrect their athletic program. So I went there and was there for six years, then uh, relocated back to California, uh, did expert testimony for litigation. Um, and uh, then when my uh, father passed away and my mother was diagnosed with dementia, I moved back to Wyoming mm-hmm. and made a promise to take care of her. So I stayed there for um, 17 years and uh, uh, started coaching. I coached rugby at Stanford and Northwestern, Stanford again. And then I was grabbed by a couple of boys in the grocery store in Laramie, Wyoming, uh, with a rugby shirt on. And they asked if I knew anything about it. I said, kind of. <laughs> and uh, so they put me on a two week uh, uh, trial run. And uh, for 17 years, I was on that two-week uh, <laughs> trial run. Yeah. That sounds great. That's, a, that's yeah. an awesome story. Um, so I have some questions about your um, athletic direction, athletic director career, because that's an interesting profession to me. What, what is that? What's like the day-to-day of that entail when you're at Northwestern? Oh, gosh. It, it, was, a, it was a multifaceted um, effort uh, because uh, Northwestern hadn't won a football game in uh, five years. They actually, I take that back. They were one fifty-one and one when we got there. Um, their their uh, basketball program was ranked last in Division One in terms of overall uh, winning percentage uh, over a couple decades. The facilities were crumbling, uh, but it was a very good school and with very good people. Um, and the emphasis was, uh, and, and what we tried to convince the administration is that if you're going to be a highly respected institution, you have to commit yourself to do everything well. Mm-hmm. Get out of those areas that you can't do well or that you don't care about and focus on what we call the selective excellence. And if we're going to do it, let's do it the best we can. And so we undertook a fundraising campaign with Doug Singel, who was the athletic director. He was only 29. I was 29, um, by far the youngest uh, university athletic administrators, I think, in the country at the time. And uh, we started a fundraising campaign. We felt that uh, the experts felt that we could raise probably about $9 million. But over the course of the uh, 
<clears throat> over the course of the campaign, um, the final amount was uh, uh, well in the $30 million range. Wow. And um, because there are a lot of people that support their programs, and, and that's the deal with colleges. They, they're very supportive of their own programs, uh, much like rugby. Uh, college rugby is fantastic. Uh, but the people that most care about your, your program are your alumni, your families, and your friends. So um, I think that focus <clears throat> has to be reiterated because, because there's, a, there, there's always a lot of talk about the valuable marketing of, of college rugby. It's an exciting sport, and it's a great sport, and, um, and can teach very, <clears throat> excuse me, very good lifelong lessons. But, but the people that care most about it are the people that are playing it, coaching it, came from the school, or played rugby before for that school. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I'm looking forward to asking you more about uh, American College Rugby here in a minute. Uh, but I want to back it up a little bit. You, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but how did you get into rugby just in general? Oh, okay. <laughs> I got it. Uh, <clears throat> I, was, I was part of the top 12 on the golf team which means I got to play a little bit, but not a lot of the matches. Um, at Stanford, uh, we didn't have scholarships at that time. Um, so we were dared to come out for rugby by the roommate of one of the players who was playing rugby. Mm -hmm. And and a couple of us took up the dare and uh, <clears throat> found out that the body weight for golf might be a certain size, but the body weight for rugby entailed a little bit more mass. Um, <laughs> so we, we struggled that first year, but we hung with it and, and we enjoyed it and kept going. So it was on a dare. So yeah. I, I played one extreme or the other, golf and rugby. That's what I said. I spend a lot of time around crossover athletes at this job. Uh, you know, with the direction the American Raptors have gone, I have not heard of anyone making the jump from golf to rugby. That's a new one to me. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it may speak to my sanity or intelligence <laughs> or both. So what position did you play? I played hook. Okay. I played hooker. Yeah. And, um, uh, and quickly learned that I had to put on about 25 pounds <laughs> from, from the first year to the second year. Uh, and I did. Um, and and uh, it, it was the most enjoyable thing ever. And then I got to play for a team called the Bay Area Touring Side, uh, which, which uh, through the course of its history, uh, won over 85% of their games. Wow. And um, toured internationally and were founded under the most wonderful premise. Um, tragic in a way in that, that the Olympic Club um, had a discrimination clause and the founders of the bats came from the Olympic club and they broke away because they wanted to play with their friends who, who would not be admitted into the Olympic club. And through the course of their history, uh, um, even when <clears throat> times changed, they started losing members, <clears throat> excuse me, the, uh, the administrators uh, were uh, aging out. Um, they decided to try to merge again with the Olympic club mm -hmm. and, and they had some, some players that were told they would not be admitted to the Olympic club. So we, we started, um, 
I should say it because it was going before I joined. Uh, the Bay Area, the bats, um, started because of discrimination, and they decided to fold because of that same discrimination. I think wow. I think those members <clears throat> should take great pride in that that they weren't going to sacrifice their their ideals. That's super interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. I have I have on my wall right here over my desk Bay Area Touring Side, Paris, San Francisco, because it was founded in a hotel room in Paris in 1967, mm. and they folded, uh, as I said, because of the failure to to merge. Uh, in 2011. Wow. Wow. That's that, a good run. Yeah, that is that is a good run. That's super yeah. interesting. I never heard of that before. I'm going to have to yeah. look into that a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, uh, 45-minute film that's made about, about oh, the bat. Perfect. I'll, I'll look it up because we have a little segment on the show where it's usually called Required Reading, but sometimes we give the people a little less homework, give them something to watch. That might be what we throw in there this week. So that'll be interesting to check out. Um, perfect. And then I know now you're, you're, you've, you've already talked about how passionate about college sports you are, obviously take athletic director position and then, um, you know, helping out with the American college rugby. Can you kind of just talk about how you became involved with that and, and what does that kind of look like for you, uh, the day to day now? Excuse me. My voice is a little, oh, you're good. Uh, you this morning. Um, yeah, American college rugby came into being because of the bankruptcy of, uh, USA rugby. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, the community groups, uh, youth, college, and club, uh, were never over budget. But but because of the failure to monitor the spending for the national teams, um, the the national governing body was driven into bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. uh, they've emerged, but as as such, they essentially abdicated all responsibility for the competitive club members. Um, so some groups had to be formed to take care of those. The unions, it was pretty easy because they had always been kind of a self-governing uh, type structure, even though the national championships were conducted by USA Rugby. Mm -hmm. The colleges used to be under the unions, and then they broke away under the uh, uh, several ideas or premises that that uh, the colleges were not getting their fair share from the unions. And in some cases that was true, but also because they felt that the, the marketability of the colleges was far above any uh, senior clubs. Um, and so they broke into conferences that uh, mimicked kind of the varsity programs. So you had your South, Southeastern, you had your PAC, you had your um, Mid-America, um, um, and other other similar conferences in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um, the difficulty was with that is that that um, as a non-varsity sport, you didn't own the uh, rights to use those names. Although that, that that didn't become an overwhelming impediment. But then the marketability and the in the commercialization of those conferences was. Um, in rugby was really non-existent. Yeah. So, so, um, so that was a difficulty. And, and further, you'd, you'd have um, Division One and Two and Three women, Division One, Two, Three men, and um, 
so it, it, it was just scattered. Mm-hmm. So with the bankruptcy, we formed American College Rugby, which is club rugby for Division One, Two, and Three men, for those teams that played in the spring. Now, seasonality has always been an issue because the East Coast, they have to play in the fall. Right. Uh, because of the weather, it's just the, the upper East Coast, I should say. Uh, it's really difficult to try to play 15s in the spring. And then with the advent of the sevens and the popularity of sevens, the the school year is just jam-packed, almost overpacked. Yeah. So so we stuck with the teams and, and just moved them over from USA Rugby for all those teams that played their championships in the spring. Of course, COVID really dealt everybody a blow. Um, so we're still trying to ri- revive some of those conferences and teams, but we will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then of course, uh, um, National Collegiate Rugby um, um, formed out of the old National Small College Rugby Organization, and have have not um, maintained their membership with USA Rugby. American College Rugby has, as has College Rugby Association of America, which has the women's teams um, and uh, D1A Mm -hmm. and a couple D1AA teams. Um, There are strong incentives to try to merge. Yeah. uh, But it's going to take a little while, I think, because of the, shall we say, the built-in... uh, reluctance uh, for either party to change their name, <laughs> for sure. And and it, it may seem fundamentally uh, minor, uh, but it, but it also speaks to to um, in, in any situation, company, uh, sports institution, you've got to have trust. And once we can develop that trust. Uh, then we'll be in a better place. That just takes time, right? That's that's kind of what it boils yeah, it down to. Yeah, takes time. Yeah, yeah. College, you know, the colleges tried to redo stuff every every few years. It's just kind of nature of the beast. So well, I think things will settle out. We'll keep working towards um, unification. Um, we are still members of USA Rugby. We know that USA Rugby has uh, shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are are not pleased to be honest with their performance um but we're also understanding that 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 we need some um we need to respect uh world rugby's uh structure for sure and 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 we are doing that and we'll try to work on the issues with usa rugby and amongst ourselves um knowing that if you build anything you don't get out every single dollar you put in mm-hmm. you don't build a school that way a highway anything of value uh, and if you're selfish such that you only will pay dues if you get every single penny back then then you're you've you've yeah. got my own yeah you can't you do can't anything see. then yeah that's right. Why bother? Yeah, why bother doing anything? That's not how it's gonna. It's not gonna work. 
Um, that's super interesting though. Cause I know, like, I'm sure that you hear this quite often too, but like even me, I've been, you know, involved in, in rugby for a while. Um, and college rugby still scrambles my brain. It's hard to keep it, keep track of things. So I think you did a good job kind of explaining, you know, why things are the way they are right there. Uh, yeah, I, I think, that. I think big mistake, I think the big mistake um, of USA rugby was not having, not having a small college and D3 and small college competition because they were dues members. Mm-hmm. They were dues members too, and they didn't have championships. And that was fundamentally un- unfair. Yeah. And I, and I, try, I proposed it, but it was shot down uh, when I first became college director. Yeah. Yeah, that, that does seem unfair. That sucks. You got to pay the same price as everyone else and then not get to you know, play for something at the end. That's why you that's do right. it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Of course. So... Uh, that's that's interesting though, Rich. I, um, thank you for for breaking that down for us. Um, and I wanted to ask you again, kind of pivot a little bit. Um, I, I've obviously yeah. gotten to know you as the as the match day commissioner uh, for the Super Rugby Americas matches here at Infinity Park. Um, and I think this is an interesting position. Like this is something I'd never heard of. So I got a bunch of questions about that. Um, okay. So how how did the how did that opportunity to to take that position come about? Um, actually, Mark Mark Bullock. Yeah. Called me and asked me if I'd be interested. Yeah, and, and and I was for several reasons. One, it's an international competition, um, and, and, and in and of itself would be kind of inter- very interesting, and it proved to be very interesting. Two, <clears throat> it would bring <clears throat> some focus to the Rocky Mountain region. Yeah, um, and and three, it it even though I'm. Um, it uh, it had an interesting start um, because of the history of the American Raptors or the Raptors previously um, uh, belonging to the MLR, getting out of that. Um, I see where Glendale was coming from. They're trying to raise the level of things. They're trying to bring um, uh, quality athletes uh, in, into into um, the stream where we can improve on all levels, mm-hmm. but but the, the the uniqueness of Super Rugby Americas was the ability to attract uh, people of all nations um, that are living here that found it interesting. So a lot of people were coming to those games were not rugby fans. They would yeah. just kind of see kind of see their compatriots from uh, from their homelands, uh, even though their homeland now is, is the USA. So, so I think, I think in these times of utter and despicable rancor among people, mm-hmm. that that this was a good thing to to showcase that that people of all nations are fundamentally good people. Um, without without over selling it, it's it's just a step to 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 bring enthusiasm back right in some form and um so that's why i was interested in it also because um <clears throat> there will be opportunities for american um, players uh if they commit uh to get ready for it to prepare for it to to uh that that will happen it won't be an all South American um, um, populated uh, rosters. 
Yeah. Uh, and it'll give opportunities for administrators like myself and or uh, referees and, and, and uh, match official personnel a chance to, to raise the level of their games too. Definitely. And, and, and so I think it's, there's just nothing but upside for that. For sure. And that, I, that was going to be one of my last questions, but I'll just ask it now. Like you've obviously watched a lot of rugby. Um, I've worked in the MLR for a little bit, so I've seen a little bit, you know, uh, but but what did you think about the quality of play that you saw so far? Because to me, I always say, like, it's been fun to ask some of the guys on this team that have MLR experience, like, what the difference is, because it just looks so much faster to me. Um, and I was kind of wondering yeah. what you thought about that. Well, I think I think as the, as the matches went on, um, there was improvement, yeah. certainly in the American Raptors side. Um but also, it's really hard to play high-level rugby. It's really hard to referee it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to to uh, um, prepare for it. And and but the only way you can get yourself tested is by playing these matches. Um, I think the improvement is there. Um, it, it's coming. I should say it's not there yet. Yeah. Um, in terms of any coach, he would look at it. It's. You got to be in position. Well, you got to be fit. You got to be ready. You got to be thinking. You got to be in position. You got to play at a low body height, and you've got to have absolutely strong um, uh, technique. Because you can't have good skills if you don't have good technique. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's a lot of work to be done. And then you have to have you have to put it in the teamwork and, and come up with a game plan. So I from a coaching perspective. I saw a lot of uh, areas that need improvement, but I also saw, as you as you say, um, the game is being played faster mm-hmm. these days, and and so it's going to take ten thousand hours, right, to become proficient at something. Yeah, it's going to take it's going to take a million hours combined <laughs> to yeah. to to get where we want to be. But the joy is in trying. Definitely. The, that's right. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. A million hours with everybody on the field. I didn't think of that. Uh, so going going back to your your match day commissioner's uh, responsibilities. What does that look like for you? I know I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, um, but I thought okay. this was a good answer. Yeah. So yeah, like game day responsibility. What time you get in there? Um, what what is everything you have to do? Um, yeah, just please tell us all about that. Well, the captain's run. First of all, uh, it, it, it's not just a one man job. That the the facility staff and the promotional staff and everybody at Glendale were were working very very hard on on preparing the field uh, creating the timesheet for for the television and for the teams on the captain's runs you got to make sure that uh, they understand and review um, the world rugby trial laws that they that they um, know where they're going um, and also uh, review that make sure that they get their match rosters in and that the, if there are any changes, uh, you have to keep track of, um, uh, and we have to get signatures and all the stuff, and then we have to load it online uh, through the uh, uh, Super Rugby America's registration system, uh, which which um, we had a few issues with, but we, we started to learn how to handle it. Um, we didn't get a lot of training, 
Um, we, we got some overview, yeah. but trial and error. Baptism uh, by fire. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you know, best way it's to learn. Okay. You just got to get stay calm because everybody's going to make mistakes, and we just and we made our share, but we really really improved as we, as the as, as the season went on. Um, and then you know during during the match day, everything is is geared to the television uh, uh, broadcast, but the teams. Um, well, backing up a little bit, they have to know where the head injury assessment room is, um, where the doping control, because we're part of the World Anti-Doping uh, Agency program. Um, you also have to know in case of emergency where to go, who's there. We had, um, you need a match day doctor and a head uh, injury assessment doctor. But we had several other doctors. Our doctors were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Dr. Moats, Dr. Grossman, Dr. Chang, uh, uh, and uh, oh my, Dr. Russick. Um, then then um, the bane of our existence was the, the new uh, water carrier rule, <laughs> thanks to South African uh, playing shenanigans on trying coaching through their, through their water carriers. Um, and <laughs> and this is a world rugby trial law, um, and people are getting the hang of it. You know, it, it's a good lesson in you can complain about it, but you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So why waste your time complaining about it? Right. Move on to something you can you can you can have it some influence, like uh, like not knocking it on at the try line. <laughs> yeah, control what you can control. Yeah, it's easier. It's easy. It's easy to be a critic from from my vantage point because I didn't <laughs> step onto the field. Yeah. So, uh, so um, yeah, and then we and then we have uh, you know post game reports uh, for um, yellow cards or any red cards, and the referees have to fill out the reports. Um, the match scores have to have to compare notes to make sure everything was accurate, and, and then then we have to put it in the system. Um, and try to close it within two hours afterwards, um, and uh, and then you're done, and then you start working on the next week. Yeah. You get a couple yeah. minutes of rest, and, and then yeah, get back yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. So, so what did you? It's rest, and you're good. <laughs> what did you tell me the other week that the perfect game for you would be a, a zero-zero draw, no penalties, uh, they pretty much just line up, tackle each other a few yeah. times, and then leave? Yeah, that would be good. Except I'm sure we probably have to file a report. <laughs> For explaining why there weren't any penalties, oh, no, okay. no yellow cards, no red cards, <laughs> no scoring, no issues. Because definitely, if that happened, something was clearly wrong. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, it seemed like I don't even know if you can comment on this, but it seemed like there was a lot more. There's a lot of cards in this competition. Is, is that? Did you kind of get that feeling? You were obviously doing a lot of the paperwork. Yeah, after. yeah. Well, I think first of all, I think uh, there are a lot of young referees. Mm. Very good referees, but young referees, and 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 then you have a, a multilingual because they, well most of the teams and players spoke Spanish. There's always the dialect, so any referee out there that's trying to manage this stuff may not be able to communicate as clearly. Right, and so the only way to do it from time to time is is, is the cards. Uh, but I also think the cards were a result of the players uh, totally committing, totally committing to doing, to playing hard. 
Yeah. And, and, and you do that, you're going to make mistakes. Right. Um, so, uh, so I think, I think we'll see market improvement next year. Um, yeah. I was always just kind of under the impression that everything was so new. Like it was a lot of, especially for the Raptors, right? It's new, new competition. It's a relatively new team uh, playing against a team of a bunch of teams that aren't new, you know, that have been playing together for a while, new referee, you know, new officiating. That's always what I kind of chalked it up to, but that's interesting to hear what you're saying as well. Yeah. I, yeah. And, 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 and it's just, uh, it's just, um, the nature of anything new, you're not, <clears throat> you're not going to know everything going in. For sure. You're not going to know how to react, et cetera, but they'll have some of the belt. Now the caution they have to uh, guard against is, or uh, the problems you have to watch out for. Uh, next year, you're going to have probably a slightly different group. Mm-hmm. Hopefully much of the same group. You're going to have slight, how do you integrate those people into as quickly as you can? Yeah. But but this, the beauty of it is you've got a long time together. They had what they have six games in the first round. They had six games here. Now they're going down to play four more or something like that. Yeah. So four six and then they finish up with two more. Oh, okay, four six two. So it's just two rounds. Yeah. So that's that's a good that's a good start for sure. Um, because because the professional rugby players have to learn how to take care of their bodies. And 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 uh, and if you're going to commit to winning the championship, which all the teams, that's their goal, I'm sure. Um, it's that's a long season. Yeah, uh, for, for a lot of these guys, um, maybe not for the for the uh, Commonwealth nations because they play you know lots and lots and lots of games. But for the uh, South Americans, the reason they get Argentina got better because they were playing a lot more games. Yeah. Right, and, that's the goal. And, and, yeah, and they develop, and and when you're playing more games, there are more opportunities for those coming up, and the, the youth see it, and that's what they want to do. That's great. Yeah, definitely. Right. And then uh, back to so, is the match day commissioner? Is this something that exists in like every professional rugby competition? Yes. Okay, yeah. so it's not like a yeah. new standard thing. There's yeah, just no. for me, it's something I had never heard of, and uh, that's interesting to hear. Yeah, in fact, we even haven't had it in the college championships. Okay, and and it's and it's all mass state issues. So if there's happening something happening, uh, it it comes down to the mass commissioner to make a decision. Makes sense. That's a lot of pressure then. <laughs> oh yeah, be. you know, if you, you know, if you have it, um, it's not for the um, tentative. Um, but you can be stupid and still do it. I mean, look at me. <laughs> no, Rich. No, no, no. <laughs> You're not stupid. Uh, but that's, that's awesome. So I know you said you don't have any responsibilities now that there's no more matches in Infinity Park. So what are you turning your attention to now? I know you mentioned earlier you got a lot of a lot of irons in the fire with the American Rugby, or excuse me, ACR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had our, we had our championship in Boulder on last Saturday. Um, so that that was uh, won by the University of San Diego over uh, Iowa State University um, on the world's best, uh, one of the world's best uh, rugby pitches. Yeah, uh, it's it's just fantastic with view of the mountains. Now we're headed to San Jose uh, a week from Saturday for the for the sevens. We'll have uh, ten teams 
D1 teams for the sevens in San Jose. And that's, that's going to be, that's going to be a uh, competition focused. It's not a lot of bells and whistles. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's all going to be decided on the field. Um, as we grow, we'll, we're certainly uh, be looking at uh, either partnering or moving it to, to um, um, a different uh, location that, that better suits our, our uh, competition because we hope to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, so we'll be meeting right after that to, to, to set the dates and the locations. Um, and we 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 have contacted actually the rugby network contacted us, but we had been um, um, last year before or two years ago before COVID got in, we had already started talking to them, but then you know we really had yeah. disruption. Everything changed. Um, yeah, so we hope to be on the rugby network next year, um, nice. and we and we actually will be we're going to buy we're going to buy some cameras so that we'll have a two or three camera setup for our championships and um and, and the focus of American college rugby it's we don't have paid coaches except you know if the alumni are helping right um we don't have a paid administrative staff um we're, we're moving the money in, into um where it's best used and that's for the players and coaches um and to make their experience as good as they can yeah that's awesome. And when did you say the seventh tournament was? Seventh championship. Uh, May twentieth and twenty first. Perfect. That's coming up quick then. Yeah, yeah. Never a rest for them. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a busy weekend last weekend, and then yeah, you get a little break and you're back into it. So. Yeah. Well, it keeps the old man out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works then. Yeah. Perfect, Rich. That's all the questions I had for you. I don't, uh, thanks so much for your time. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, Colton. Anytime. All right, hopefully everybody enjoyed that conversation with Rich Cortez. I know I certainly did. Thanks to Rich for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, Looking forward to having him back on in person. I think it it would be a good show as well. A lot to cover. He's a very knowledgeable guy about the rugby scene. So looking forward to having him back on, and uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Let's go ahead and jump into the required reading portion of the show now. Required reading is brought to you by Maria Empanada. Maria Empanada is Denver's home for rugby lovers. There are three convenient locations on South Broadway, Stanley Marketplace, and Riverview. Make it easy to pick up delicious empanadas on the way home from Rugby Town USA. Visit mariaempanada.com to order yours today. Uh, this piece is USA Men's Eagles Ready for New Horizon as 2023 player pool is announced. This was put out by USA Rugby today on Thursday. Uh, the reason I'm including this in here is because two American Raptors made the cut. So Lene Latu and Aki Pulu made the camp, will compete for spots on the August tour that will include stops in Romania, Portugal, and Georgia, the country, not Georgia, the state. Um, and it's cool because this is what the American Raptors program was designed to do. So it's awesome to see two guys get a shot. Lene, I've talked about him at length on the show. Wrote a long profile on him on the DMVR.com. Um, you know, he this is like he is the prototype for this program. Someone had some rugby experience goes to play college football, is looking for a way to get back into it, play high-level rugby, and here he is. Now he's, you know, on the verge of making the Eagles. And then Aki Pulu, a good high school football player, um, had played some rugby growing up as well, 
uh, but he's just 19 years old. So he graduated high school literally a year ago, and again, knocking on the door, making the Eagles. So this is what this program is designed for. I can only imagine more and more people will will you know get selected and get looks because of, of what this program is doing. So it's cool to see it work like that. Um, you know, because I'm sure three years ago, Lena Latu wouldn't even have dreamed about playing on the Eagles. Three years ago, Aki Pulu was just getting his driver's license. So uh, it's pretty cool to see how this all works out. So I will link this article in the article that has this podcast, as well as the description of this podcast. We'll make it nice and easy for you. Just scroll down, click it, check it out yourself, see a bunch of other people. Luke White, friend of the program, we talked about him last week. He also made the camp, so... Um, it's cool to see kind of the direction they're going. They're they're giving a lot of new blood a try, which is necessary, obviously, given everything that happened, um, and hopefully it pays dividends. Let's go ahead and talk about Stat of the Week now. Stat of the Week is presented by Catapult. Catapult's committed to making performance technology available to athletes at all levels, whether it's the biggest teams and organizations in world sport or amateur rugby players. Catapult helps monitor performance like the pros. For more information, visit catapultsports.com. So let's take a look at some numbers from the American Raptors six match home stand. So obviously only generated one win, which which stinks, but uh, there's a lot more to it than that. So uh, they scored 24 tries from by 13 different players, um, generated one penalty try as well. Over the six matches, they scored 164 points, conceded 259. So when you compare that to the 48 points uh, that they scored and 125 points that they conceded on the road earlier this season in a four-match, you know, road trip. Uh, that's some tangible progress on the offensive side. Um, kind of like stayed the same, maybe regressed a little bit on the defensive side, uh, just in terms of, of average points per match. But they're, that that's, that stinker of a match against Pompous really throws off the averages, so it's it's kind of hard to, you know, calculate stuff off of that. So, um, but that's progress. Is that where they want to be? No, but it is progress, and you got to take progress when you can find it. Um, in terms of try scores, Dayton Sheridan leads the way with four tries on the year. Diego Fortuny and Watson Feliki Tonga both have three. Tommy Clark, Ethan McVeigh, Lene Latu, and Sean Clark all scored two to this point, um, and they've also scored two penalty tries as a whole. Uh, they got two more matches. We'll see how these numbers shift. Um, would be surprised if Dayton's on the trip. Learned he was pretty injured after I talked to him last week. Uh, so hopefully he gets gets better, takes care of himself. Um, but you know, Diego Watson, anybody you know, he can have a big game, catch up to him. Um, so we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Hopefully they can finish the season strong, pick up a win or two. That would be ideal. Go ahead and close the show with the loot presented by PhysioPro. PhysioPro is an official partner of the American Raptors. Visit physio-pro.com for more information. So make sure you follow along with everything we got going on at DNVR Rugby on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby. Um, like I mentioned earlier in the show and last week too, we've got two watch parties coming up. So watch Raptors play Doggos on May 21st at 4 p.m. Was well, 2 p.m. Now it's 4 p.m. at Maria Empanada on Broadway. Um, and then close the season out with us at uh, the DNVR bar on May 27th to watch the Raptors play Cobras Brazil. So it'll be fun. Uh, be the best way to close out the season, I think. Hopefully we can still, you know, get some of the community together, watch the Raptors finish it out. Um, and I'll be looking forward to it. So that does it for the show today. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, hopefully you have a good week. Hope you have a great weekend. Catch you all back here next Friday.